Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. Uh, I'm joined tonight uh, by, as always, Guna uh, Hilsey. Uh, Big T's back in the room, and we got the man with no flag today. We got Capo Dan. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2023. And guess what? We are the Arsenal and we are top of the league. Maybe now you're going to start to believe us. Um, Trev, how are you, mate? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Fergus, and to the two lads here and everyone else. I'm in a fantastic mood. What a weekend we've had. I had a great New Year down in Brighton, got, got drunk in New Haven and decided to ring everybody I knew at about a minute past midnight, which upset quite a few people. Um, it's, the results have gone our way, haven't they? You know, so it's been an almost perfect weekend, really, isn't it? Can't complain, mate. Happy New Year to everyone. Tony, Happy New Year. I know you asked me to tell everybody before we left last year to wish everybody Happy New Year. So I'm wishing you a Happy New Year yeah, and your family. How are you doing and, and did you enjoy the new year? Mate, it's been a bit of a quiet one. Uh, obviously, as you, some of you boys know, my nan's not been too well. So the Christmas and New Year was a pr- pretty quiet one uh, compared to usual standards. But obviously, by God, the quiet one around the family was more than made up by the results uh, in and around football for, for us and rivals. And and it continues today with with Liverpool dropping points, you know. Uh, maybe maybe certain results and performances that we've had this season will start getting a little, uh, sort of respected a bit more than just uh, being swept under the carpet. Because places like Brighton and Brentford are not easy places to go. They haven't got the glamorous names, but this isn't FIFA and this isn't the PlayStation. And if you don't turn up at these places and, and earn the right to play and win, you're not going to win anymore. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it's been brilliant. Dan, at no flag tonight. Um, you went to Brighton. Happy New Year to me. How are you? Yeah, good. Very good. To be fair, you'll, uh, you'll see me nowadays floating around Essex with a big smile on my face at the moment. So... Just looking down on all the uh, all the local West Ham, Chelsea, and Spurs fans, which is very good. But yeah, New Year's good. Yeah. New Year was obviously Brighton away, and then Boxing Day for West Ham. So you can't get much better than that. So it, Trev, it can't well, have been that good, Cap. You was in the gym about five o'clock in the morning, weren't you? The next day, <laughs> mate. It, it was a late. I tell you what, next Boxing a Day was a rough one. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, you were no, not Boxing Day. Day after Boxing Day, you were absolutely polluted. Uh, on Boxing Day, he he started Fergus, the. Fergus was a boy. He was sober on that day. I was I was ill. I was ill. But I'm unbroken, Trev. I'm back on the beer. It's not very nice beer, but I'm back on the oh, beer. Uh, Trev, what have you done on your um, bank holiday Monday? Then Are you working today? You cracked open the captain yet? Yeah, I've now I've not worked today. I've had a couple of the captains. I've had to do a couple of jobs around the house to keep her indoors sweet and uh, done that. I've had a. Two or three captains with a drop of coke, but I've knocked it on the head now because I'm going to do a day's work tomorrow. So I'm going to uh, sober up a bit and then get an early night when I've finished on here. All right. And Dan, Dan, what have you been doing? Jim, I expect. Was it arms or was it abs? <sighs> Just working on the jealousy of you, like it seems, but never mind. No, no, mate. I've got a, my body's a temple. Well, at least the size of a temple. Buddha or what one is it? Temple ruin, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Tony, what you been up to, mate? Uh, If I'm honest, mate, just last couple of days, uh, just been with the family. Uh, We had some sort of relatives over from Spain and that yesterday, so generally New Year's Day. If I'm not Arsenal, it'll be just sort of catching up with those guys, spending it with the family. 
And today's just been a bit of a chilled out one, just clearing the last odds and sods before I go back to work, mate. Um, but obviously, I managed to get everything done so I could put my feet up. <laughs> so, come here, come here. I've got my my son's here, right? I mean, just me and him are because the, the missus has gone out with a uh, Come on, he's a gooner, isn't he? He's a yeah, gooner. So he's going to meet who they support. Are they Arsenal or Tottenham? I said, no, no, they're Arsenal, mate. He's going, come on, you the Arsenal. Yeah, look, 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 say hello. Hello, mate. What do you think oh, of Tottenham? What do you think of Tottenham? <laughs> he goes, you those, you those. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get struck off for that or something like that. But um, yeah, this afternoon I went over to the pub. I had a couple of, a couple of, a couple of Moretti's, and I sat there with the um, Wimbledon, the AFC Wimbledon, the assistant manager, and just having a good conversation with him. <laughs> um, do with. To do no, to, it was all about the transfer window and how it works and so on. I, I just found it fascinating, really, really interesting. Anyway, listen, enough about that. Let's talk about the Brighton game. Um, Trevor and uh, Dan were both at the game. Um, the lineup that we had was Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko starts over Tierney, Party, Shaka, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Inketia. Um, a lineup that you, Dan, you. You wouldn't expect it anything different. The only thing that might have been different would be Tierney for um, Zinchenko, wouldn't you? Hello, Tio. Yeah, to be honest, I think that's our strongest lineup, in all fairness, that we can put out at the minute. Obviously, Jesus being out. But um, the only thing that surprises me is that he's not played them the other way around in terms of Zinchenko at home and Tierney away. Um, I always thought he'd be Tierney away from home a bit more solid and uh, Zinchenko at home a bit more freedom. But he seems to want to play Zinchenko away from home and, and a bit more control in the midfield. Um, obviously, it worked, so no complaints. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, Tony, how were you with the lineup and like a, a fast start? Uh, we, we went into uh, getting the first goal from Saka, which we'll, I, I have got lined up here if we want to have a look at it, but uh, Saka scores in the second minute. But what did you make of the lineup and just the way we, we, we came to the party? Yeah, if I'm honest, we, we've obviously City dropping points. I felt that there was a bit more added pressure on us because of everybody's waiting for us to slip up to come out and score within what was it 64 seconds or something was you know it's, it's incredible and he just the celebration amongst the players and I know we've spoke about it a lot this season mate the unity the togetherness the spirit and all this but the celebration there there's there's a bit more level-headed ground uh the players have seen grounded um they seem hungry determined there's a lot of desire there and even when we went when one nil up, there was a bit of like, right, we've gone one nil up. Let's be sensible. Let's be calm. You know, we're league leaders for a reason. Um, we had a, obviously a few hairy moments, but all in all, it was a fantastic start, mate. We couldn't have asked for more. Um, and like I say, especially with the results that had gone on before. Trevor, this is Saka's well, opening goal. Just watch past the Just watch past the First minute of the game. Oh, a bit of space for Gabriel Martinelli. Our first sighting of him. First minute of the game, and, and Party ain't is not just warming up and getting into the game. He's bang on the ball there. That was an, a, a fantastic tackle, and it it was a tapping for for Saka, but it was only a tapping because he made it a tapping. So many players in this country would have either tried to snatch it that you know first time and and whizzed it over the bar or or whatever. But he, he was so cool and calm, the kid. That's it, another one of his all, his assets, his, his calmness on the ball and slotted it in beautifully. Um, I'm, every podcast, I say this about about Bukayo Saka, and I've never regretted it once. 
that kid has got the world is his oyster. The world is his oyster. He is um, a, an unbelievably good talent. And of all our wonderful players we've got at the moment, we've got plenty. He's the one we don't want to lose more than anyone. He's, he's just fantastic. And we, and we have contract negotiations going on with him at the moment. We've exercised Saliba's um, uh, Saliba's uh, extension onto his contract. So we've got him till June 2024 and we're talking to him. Um, Dan, what did you make of Saliba uh, in, in that first half? Um, he's been a little bit rusty, especially like when we look at West Ham and, and, and um, uh, in the Brighton game, he was a little bit rusty as well. He's one of the few guys who didn't... And we, we talked about this in the last podcast... The players that didn't feature in the World Cup, that travelled to the World Cup, have come back more rusty than players that didn't go, like uh, Haaland and Odegaard, etc. Yeah, I guess there's um, a couple of managers have said different things, haven't they? Some have said that they feel like the players that have come back from the World Cup that have played are sharper. Some have said the guys that have stayed with them are sharper. Um, I guess if you're playing, going out there for a month and not playing, um, you are a bit out of practice, but I think I'd just put it down more to the fact that he's young and he's going to make mistakes. And also, don't forget, as a centre-back, if you make a mistake, it really does get highlighted in the team. Um, mm. But he's, he's got Gabriel alongside him to to tidy up. And just like when Gabriel made mistakes, Saliba tidied up for him. Um, I think it's just uh, you know, a, a good partnership and they, they will clear up for each other. Um, I don't think it's a problem for me. Trust Tony, me, um... boys. Fergus, trust me. Sorry to butt in, Fergus. That's fine. Trust me, there is not a Premier League manager in that division that would not want William Saliba. There, any team in that Premiership would grab him tomorrow if they could. They're not having him, but they could. You know, he's the Van. D- he's the Van Dyke of three or four years ago, but we've got him. Well, Liverpool have substituted him at half time today. He was having a mare, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, he's had a bad so season. Just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Ferg, sorry, Tony. No, 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 it's fine. Tony, what I was going to uh, uh, come to you... It's not fine, Fred. It's not fine. No, 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 hang on. You let him apologise. Trevor mentioned party and, and that party and Shaka partnership. And, and party in particular stood out for me as an outstanding player. We talked about Ben White uh, against West Ham um, and it was hard to pick a man of the match against West Ham and we, we the Premier League went Odegaard and we, we all picked different ones. But party had an exceptional game, didn't he, in that in that first, first hour at least? I, I can honestly say that I was one of those players four or five years ago um, that, was, that was crying out for party when we first got linked with him. I think it was the back end of Wenger's tenure and we was linked with him in the summer of, I think he was one of the players that Unai Emery wanted. Um, and I watched him so closely at Atletico Madrid and what he'd done, he'd done so well. And I was raving about him and I was like, this is the player we've got to sign. Obviously, we eventually signed him. So I'm saying to everyone, that this is the player we need. This is the player we need. And he's never really hit the heights that I've seen and know he's capable of. Um, and yet he's come back from the last injury just sort of reincarnated, just just the, yes. the party of old. Um, and whether we finally managed to look after him in terms of his, his body, his injury issues. Um, but I also think that credit needs to go to Arsenal as a club, Arteta, Edu, etc. Because we've had a lot of these talented players in the past and we haven't looked after them or there's not been the right balance for players to show their pedigree. We've now got a very uh, happy, happy squad, a balanced squad. So every player is standing out because they're doing a job. And the balance has always been key for me. But Party just typifies at the moment. He's, he's been superb the last few months, or well, this season. He's been immense. 
Um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of talk about who would we miss the most, Jesus and then Party and Odegaard. I think Party's the one player that we can't really replace because for a couple of games, you could you could replace Odegaard potentially as good as he is. Or, you know, Eddie's come in the last two games and replace Jesus. I just don't see... I think Lukonga's... There's nobody, is there? There's nobody. and is our squad players who can potentially play that position. And they're just... The drop-off is is probably the biggest out of any position. And... And for me, the, the, the balance between Shaka and midfield at the moment, just or actually the trio with Odegaard is just immense at the moment. It's just working perfectly. It's just it's just a perfect blend. And, you know, as we keep reiterating, long may it bloody continue. You talk about Odegaard. Uh, Trevor, let's look at this goal now. Uh, this is the Odegaard 2-0 uh, at 39 minutes. Saka floats it in. Gilmore got his head to it. Odegaard, it bubbles in. So he was six games in twelve, I think it was. He's now it's it, it, he's effectively a gay a goal every other game. And uh, I was looking some of they, they put a stat up a, a couple of minutes beforehand about saying how many goals he'd scored six in the league and he'd scored a goal every other every other game. And I went, well, he's due a goal now. And then away we go. What a lovely goal, Trev. Yeah. I don't- they say he hit it into the floor and he got a bit lucky, didn't they? But then they said he got a bit lucky the other night when his shot became a pass. So I don't know if it is good luck. I mean, Mesa Ozil used to finish like that, you know. He used to bang the ball into the ground to bounce it over the goalkeeper. It used to be his party piece. So um, I've got uh, no problem with Odegaard. It, was, it, it's, it cruised around the pitch yesterday like he owned the joint. It cruised around like... You know, was it yesterday or the day before? I'm a bit, no, the day before, wasn't it? It yeah, just, it just, he improves every game, doesn't he? Uh, Martin Odegaard, he improves every game, and and it's 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 wonderful what you say about the goals came from four different people up front yesterday, right? And one of the pundits said it on Match of the Day, and they're bang on with it. We, we've got we've got such a lovely setup at the moment because you've got a back four to solid, then you've got part, you've got Party and Jacker in that midfield, laying a bit deeper behind that front five, that front four or five, right? And all party of Xhaka have got to do is win the ball and pass it to any of them. And we're away, aren't we? We are absolutely flying. Whether he gives it to Saka, Martinelli, um, hang on, um, Odegaard, or Nketiah, it doesn't matter. If party and Xhaka win the ball and give it to any of them four, we immediately go from a defensive midfield player having the ball to being an, an attacking team with a big threat. It's it's yeah. wonderful to watch. It really is and wonderful to watch. Did, did you notice, you might not in the ground, but I, I was watching uh, from TV uh, this game and we switched from like the 4-3-3 and we then we flicked into a 4-1-4-1 sort of thing. So we put Eddie on point and Party was on front of the back four. And it, just like the fluidity of, of, of the sides. Dan, what did you notice about like just the formations and, and Party and Shaka and Odegaard? I think they're just a really well-balanced midfield, if I'm honest. And obviously when they when they first joined Partey and Odegaard, there's a there's an adaptation period to move into the Premier League. But I think their their class is, is showing through now. And, and and Partey seems to be the guy that always does drop in, in front of the back four. And just the speed of his passing forward to break the lines, I'd say he's probably one of the top two or three in, in the league at the minute. Um, form-wise, he's, he's, he's right up there. And then when you've got you've got guys like Erdegaard and Xhaka finding space, he's, he's just excelling with the players around him as well. But I think, with, I think with, with, with Odegaard, Dan, 
is he better than Ozil, who was the the you know, the maestro? It's a different player. I, 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 a lot of people are going to criticise Ozil and and say he was lazy, and I I don't think you can compare their work rate. But Ozil did a lot of good in our team when he was with with Sanchez, um, and we didn't build on that. I think we could have built on that better as a team, and then he became a bit older, a, a bit out of love with the game, and you know, a completely different player. But Erdegaard is near enough um, an Özil type ten in the modern era, and he, he's he's just got brilliant work rate, brilliant vision. But he can play. I think generally he could play anywhere on that pitch. He could play as a centre forward. He could play out wide, and he could play in midfield. Hmm. Do, you, do you think he yeah. could be like a hybrid of a, a, an Özil and an Angola Kante because? His technical ability is Ozil-esque, but his work rate is like, for someone who's so technically gifted, he, he puts in a shift for 90 minutes, he week does. in, week out. And he covers like, and I'm not saying he is in Gaelo Kante, I'm not saying he's that type of player, but in terms of covering every blade of grass, he just seems to be everywhere. And he's never, as we touched upon last week, he's never going to be a Keane or Vieira-esque captain. But he's leading by example at the moment. And he's like, do you know what? If I'm going to give 100%, I expect every one of you to give 100%. And he's brilliant to see. He, he, he's, he's got to be in the form of his life at the moment. Yeah. I was going to ask that question if, if you really think he's justified his captain's pick because he was really, really criticised a lot and everyone's saying he wasn't the captain, he's not the leader of the team. And Dan, and, but and, was he being criticised by fans like me, you and, 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 and Trev and Tony and fans in Block 5 and so on? I didn't hear much criticism of fans in the stadium and match-going fans. I, I, I did see criticism of people on Twitter and Facebook going, oh, he's overpassed, he's overpassed that guy. The, the first game at Palace and so on, where people absolutely slagged him off. But I was at Palace that game and I watched exactly what Tony talked about and his work rate and what he was doing off the ball, which you don't see on TV because the camera isn't following around all the time. And I I just, you know... It, go on. I, don't know, I, think, I think I've heard it quite a bit in the stadium, in all fairness. Um, the, the last six months, people's opinions have changed a lot. But even at the beginning of the season, people were getting on the backs of an awful lot of our team. Um I wouldn't say it's been like that from start to finish. I think that's changed in the last six months and it obviously does help with the brilliant form we found. Um, but yeah, for me, I think he's just absolutely justified being captain. As, as Tony said, Leeds, by example, and he's Trev? the focal point of our team. I get the impression, though, that the captain is coming with... Uh, oh, I don't care about the old man anymore. Hey, you know? I, I, I get the impression the captain was also picked without an armband. There's a player in our squad that's more of our captain, but I think because of going over old ground... He yeah, yeah, really yeah. And, and to be honest, that man has stepped oh, up to the, I, I the, think the he's, he's the team leader, personally. Well, we've seen on the documentary what he's done at Newcastle and so on. And I, I, I do get it. And I, I think probably politically it's not viable to have him now. Maybe next season, but then why would you? You don't need to add any pressure to his game, though, do you? No, you don't. No, Trev, your thoughts on this? Because you tried to get in a couple of times before you are rudely interrupted. Well, firstly, I think we should leave the comparisons with Ozil behind because I don't think that's fair to Martin Odegaard. I think that, that, that what's gone is gone and it's unfair on Martin Odegaard to do that. I don't quite agree with Dan. I've not heard, I've not been at that many games uh, at home, but I, nothing comes to mind about Odegaard getting much stick this season. I know that people doubted him last season, but I think this season he's proved all his doubters wrong. And as his goal proved against Brighton last yes, day before yesterday, 
He's got what several players in our team have got right up front, these young players. He's got that knack of finding a space in the opposition penalty area, right? Look at the time he had to, to put that ball in the net against Brighton. And and Stacker can do it and, and Smith Rowe can do it when he's in the side. Martinelli not so much because Martinelli tends to charge in the box with the ball at his feet, you know? But it, Odegaard is a complete player and he, he's, he's, I think that Arteta said it, didn't he, in his interview. He's a perfect captain for the job because we've got lots of voices. We've got the Jackers and we've got the other and the Rob Holdings. We've got the the wise old heads of voices. We've got this influence of Odegaard. He's leading by example this season, and he for me he's done nothing wrong for nothing wrong at all, mate. Another player I, um, that's coming. I hope he doesn't come back to bite me on the backside. This comment, but recent years we've really struggled with captains that are a proper captain, that love the club, that want to be at the club and want to be there for a long period of time. And we've had captains that have had behavioural issues and and haven't been a good image for the club. I feel like he's a, a very good captain brand-wise for the club. I think he's very good captain for the club in terms of leading by example. And I hope he's also a, a captain that will be here for the long term and will see us from the start to the finish of a project and not... I, I, I think he will. Play. I think he will, Dan. You also have to remember he's top. He's captain for his country at like such a young age as well. You know, captain for your country is a huge thing. That your national manager is going to put you as a captain. He he clearly has something that we can't see because we don't see him every day. And like what Tony talked about, uh, saying like you know he's not necessarily your your scream your shouter like you know put a fire underneath you sort of thing. He, 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 he leads by example. He leads by doing what he does on the pitch. And I'm an, an utter professional, I would expect. Somebody else who, who has come into some amount of criticism by some, including myself to a little bit, is Eddie Nketiah. But Eddie's gone two games since he come back from, uh, since we started back from the World Cup and two goals. Here's his goal. Lots of ability, speaking of which, here's Martinelli. Up against Lamptey, drawing the save. But that's not enough. And Eddie and Ketia. Well, he won't get too many simpler than that. But the numbers are good. It's so, Trev, natural poacher's goal, isn't it? Yeah, he's doing exactly what we want our centre forward to do, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got much more to his game than that. Um, and he's. He's, he's, he's pressuring people. He's, he's putting himself all over the park. And now, just recently, he started adding goals to that. So, he's doing exactly what we couldn't ask any more of him. We can't really ask any more of the young lad. He's playing up front and he's scoring goals. He's scoring goals more fast. regularly than, than Gabriel Jesus was. And we love Jesus. We watch him and we love him. So, there's no reason why we, we shouldn't love Eddie. He's, he's, doing, he's doing perfectly, perfectly at the moment. He's doing exactly what the Arsenal need. Tony, 12 and 12 for Eddie. I think, do you know what? We, we've, we've seen two goals in two games from Enkete and two completely different goals. We saw a, a superb um, finish to a team move, the movement, the strength, the determination against West Ham. And then we've seen, we've all thought he was, a poacher um, against Brighton. You know, it only bodes well for us. And, you know, listen, <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and say I'm his biggest fan. I, I thought there, there's... A lot of a lot of things that he needs to improve on, and if he's going to get better, and certainly push us forward. But you can't ask for what he's done. He's coming to the team. He's got two in two. Look, let's just back him, and hopefully, this is you know the confidence booster that he needs going into a big run of obviously Newcastle, Oxford, Tottenham, etc. And 
you know, like Trev said, I think last week on the podcast, we want to have the hope that when Jesus is back fully fit, he ain't walking into the team. Because if that's the, yeah. if, they, if if that happens, and it bodes well for the club, absolutely, absolutely. Um, listen, uh, to be honest with you, I think as soon as um, Jesus is back, if if Eddie keeps up his form exactly as it is now, I don't think Jesus gets back in that side straight away. The way he's playing. <laughs> You, you, you may well be right, Dan. Uh, I, I, I personally think he will be dropped back to the bench again. Um, I think how Arteta is managing him and managing the PR around him every time he's been questioned and interviewed about him, he's singing his praises. And I think that, that, that's been really good. Listen, we, we're, we're 3-0 up. Um, 60 minutes into the game, we're dominating it. Um, Brighton make two substitutions. They take off uh, Lalana and Tossard for... There's a Samiento and Ferguson, a young lad of 18, 19 years of age. But we also make two substitutions. Trev, we talked about this briefly on New Year's Day when we had a chat. Uh, we took off uh, Ben White and Zinchenko and brought Tierney and Tamiyasu on. And I said to you that I thought the timing was a bit... You also said the timing was probably a bit premature. But that we'd done that substitution at the same time they'd done their substitution. It was almost like four subs because they've got two fresh legs come on as attacking and we've got two defenders who need to just bed themselves into the game and, and feel okay yes we're 3-0 up but was it a poor decision by Arteta? Um, I will never ever criticise Mikel Arteta won't. <laughs> but from where he's taken it from where he's taken us he's it, it, worked miracles he's worked fantastically but in the ground when he made the substitutions I looked at the clock and there was 59 minutes gone and I thought you know, we're 3-0 up and we're bringing on two of the highest quality defenders in the country, you know, in Tomiyasu and and Tierney. We really are bringing on two superstar defenders that would walk into any team. But I just had it in my head that not, you're bringing on great players, but they've got to get into the rhythm of the game. They've got to get into the movement of the game. And uh, I just thought two of them at the time, it was a little bit early. And I felt very sorry for for Ben White, because Ben White was playing absolutely fantastically again. But, you know, you could see maybe Arteta was thinking 3-0 up. We're going to give a couple of good players a few minutes, keep them happy. And and, and Tierney and Zinchenko have both been prone to injuries, haven't they? So he's probably thinking, if I can give one 60 minutes and one half an hour, it might be an opportunity to keep them both fit. So I could see why he'd done it. I'm not knocking him, but in my head, I just thought that was a little bit too early for me. Tony, what did you think about the, the, the double substitution at, and tied with the fact that they made double substitutions with attacking players as well? I honestly didn't see a problem with it. Uh, I think just like Trev said there, you got two. It's not like we were bringing on pony players. We were bringing on two excellent, yep. you know, top-class fullbacks with international experience. Um, 60 minutes gone, 59, 60 minutes gone, I didn't see an issue with it. Um, didn't really think Tierney had too much of a problem. I thought we'd done okay. Tommy Asu, though, on the other hand, he looked really rusty. Yeah. He looked really rusty. But the biggest problem wasn't necessarily when we took those, brought them two on. It's then when we took party off, we seemed to just lose shape. And I'm not criticising El Nenny. I'm not, you know, sitting here slagging anyone off. But then to, to take party off, I mean, party and Ben White. Uh, we, you know, I, I think people have got to start putting respect on Ben White's name because I don't think people realise just how good he is and has been for Arsenal. He is a mess. Yeah, he- but before before we took party off, we we conceded a goal as well. The Japanese international uh, is it Mitiamo um, scored on the sixty fifth minute, and then ten minutes later we did take party off. Uh, Dan, what did you what did you think about taking party off? Then like what what Tony was talking about? 
I can see why he did it because I think he's trying to get minutes into some of the team's legs. Um, yeah, I think it was a bit early. In all fairness, I think he was a bit early, but you would have thought a three a three nil up, um, it should be cruising. So hence the two substitutions with the right backs and left backs and giving them minutes. But then when we concede a goal. Um, from a mistake in the midfield to take off the midfield general in party it just seems yeah. like ah. yeah. See, Berg, there's two extreme ways of looking at it isn't there you know if you put yeah. it like you just did with three nil up with cruising you understand the players he took off were the ones that have been prone to an injury right All, party um white zinchenko get them off they've been prone to injury we've won the game Let's make it, you know, we're happy. He wants to know that Brighton were going to step it up. And they did step it up a level. When they scored that first goal, it really seemed to liven them up a bit, you know. Um, but we did miss party when he went off. It was uh, it, it was a big miss. But I think we need to, if we're going to need, we're going to have to see the um, the Martinelli goal now, Ferg, because we're going to go back to that man, Odegaard, aren't we? Yeah, well, but yeah, the Martinelli goal, we've gone 4-1. Uh, sorry, we've gone 3-1 down, and Martinelli comes back with this one. Eudegaard, quelle ouverture pour Martinelli. Martinelli en vitesse, en 1 contre 1 devant Sanchez. Martinelli, incroyable, incroyable passe de Eudegaard. Superbe finition de Martinelli. Et de nouveau, Arsenal s'envole par la grâce de ce... Uh, I don't know how much French oh, you know, but, we but I'll tell you what, that, that was very, very complimentary. The speed of Martinelli, the new Arsenal, uh, he's the new guard. There, there was lots being said in there, and it was all very, very complimentary Arsenal. Go on then, talk about the Martinelli goal then, Trev. Oh, mate, we missed it on a clip, didn't we, right? We, I, I, I was watching Odegaard. He got the ball, right, and he first chimed it 50, 60 yards up the field. And Martinelli didn't even have to break stride. It went behind the defender. He didn't have to break stride. There it is. Look, Martinelli, look at the pace of it. Martinelli hasn't had to speed up or slow down. It's just fell onto his toe. And Martinelli was lucky he finished that because he should have squared it to Saka, really. But, you know, for the first, as Martinelli made that run, I, I wasn't watching him for a couple of seconds because, because... I was just still looking at Odegaard in, in admiration of the ball he just played. I couldn't believe he'd seen that pass so quickly. You know, unbelievable. Brilliant. Tony? Whilst I agree with what Trev just said that there, wow. I did find the French commentator wow. far more sexier when he was saying it. You know, he said it with a more... <laughs> uh, no, look, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a majestic pass. You know, it's... it's it's an artist with the fire. Eudegaard, quelle you know. ouverture pour Martinelli. Martinelli <laughs> en vitesse. En un contre un devant Sanchez. It is um, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin De Bruyne-esque. It's, it's an unbelievable pass. Um, and he is starting to get the credit he deserves because Odegaard's been a mentee season. I mean, even the little nutmeg in the middle when after about three minutes, I think it was to, to Martinelli who decided to cut it back. You know, we, we we were rampant at times at Brighton, and then our, everything was just with Odegaard. He was just pulling the strings, the orchestra. Um, Dan, uh, so we, we we're now four one up. Um, young uh, Ferguson, uh, we, we make the substitution, take party off, and put El Neni on, and then Ferguson. He's only eighteen. 
he gets a goal at, um, and brings it up the 4-2. But then at 4-3, there was a disallowed goal by VAR. And to be honest, I thought it was a harsh, a correct decision, but a harsh decision because the guy's walking, running back from an, an offside position not to interfere with play and so on. Go, talk us through that one then. I mean, for me, you're either on or you're off. Um, but I think it saved us for a, a very, very tricky last few minutes of that game because um, Brighton are a good side and that's why we all said before the game, you know, this is going to be a tough game. We haven't got the best results recently against Brighton and they're a very, very good side. Um, we wasn't put under pressure as much because of that and I think we got away with one um, and definitely helped out the team. So, sort of vision of 4-4 four, four at Newcastle could have... Uh, could have happened, I think, but glad glad he didn't. So, no, I agree, agree. Um, listen, um, we went on to win the game four two, and um, you know other results as we've said at the beginning of this have worked in our our, our favour. And again tonight, Liverpool dropping points to Brentford, uh, City dropping points, Tottenham dropping points, Chelsea dropping points. You know the stars are aligned, and we had a little bit of a chat beforehand, and we said. Could it almost, and Trev, you can go back to us on this one. It, you know, we're seven points clear. Is it the luck that Leicester got? No, no, the, Fergus, fancy saying that to me now after we spoke before the programme. That's why I'm asking you, because I want you to say the same thing we talked about. It's nothing like Leicester. We're we're a, a, a side that's been off the ball for a few years, but we're proven winners long-term. We win trophies. And this year we've we've sorted out our woes from the last three or four seasons, and uh, we're looking really, really good. I'm not going to say anything of what, what we're going to do at the end of the season because I'm not tempted fate. You know me; I can't um, I can't look that far ahead. But we are looking so good. And Fergus, the goal wasn't disallowed at four three, my mate. The goal was disallowed at four two. It was never four three. And I'm so pleased it was disallowed, folks, because you know me that well. If it had been 4-3 with four minutes to go, where would I have been watching the game? You know, I'd have been off down the concourse and <laughs> watching it on the telly because my nerves can't handle it. But, Any um, excuse for a beer? Yeah, but we we are just looking so good. I can't, I, I can't, I've seen, I've seen some people still, still trying to get a bit Larry on Twitter and, Whereas in the past, they used to have some supporters. Now they just immediately laughed at and shouted down. If, if you're not happy at the moment as an Arsenal fan, you give it in, go and support someone else because you ain't never going to be happy with the Arsenal. We are, well, we are absolutely superb. Trev, um, in fairness, uh, you sent me this video. This is from, from uh, after the game. Um, and you're talking about the way the fans are. You said how the relationship between the players and the fans has developed the the players, the manager and all the staff came to the Arsenal fans after the game at Brighton. And unlike a few years ago, uh, there were clearly there was clearly some mutual respect and they stood applaud, applauding the fans for up to five minutes. And I'll, I'll show you this video clip and you can have a, a chat. Trev, Dan, both go on this one. I need to thank my beautiful wife for that video because I was too busy celebrating, but she videoed it and I'm so pleased she did. I don't yeah, know what you're Sorry, the other video she sent me, I can't I can't show. 
Wow, well, you're just jealous of me. Um, but the um, uh, Dan, I'll, I'll take ten seconds then get your view, mate, because the players come over and That's what the missus said connection. There was such a connection. That was twice, right? Tony. <laughs> I can't hear what he's saying. Thankfully, um, there was such a, there's such a connection between the players and the fans at Arsenal. Now, it was the the players didn't want to leave the pitch, and the fans didn't want to leave the, the stadium. It was just that good. After they were just so happy, and and it was wonderful. It was wonderful to uh, to see it. And uh, in the end, they had to leave the pitch. And as they were walking off. They started singing the Granite Xhaka song, the Arsenal fans, and Xhaka came back and, and you could see he was he was emotionally attached to what they were singing. It's such a turnaround. That is your example, the Xhaka fans. Uh, the Xhaka fans' relationship is your prime example of where we are now, the, the massive turnaround. You couldn't get more of a 100% turnaround than that Xhaka fan relationship, and it runs through the whole team. It was it was amazing. I don't know, don't know if you stayed in the ground for long after, Dan, but it was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was there right until they left as well. And um, I think the thing that made it better was, don't forget, it's New Year's Eve, and a lot of people had to shoot off and had other plans to go out afterwards and and to do things with family and and to even get back to London. And everyone still stayed. The majority of fans were there, clapping, singing, and the momentum is building. And even the songs of "We're Top of the League" or "We're Going to Win the League," and it is getting louder and louder. And now it? you're gonna believe us, and now you're gonna exactly. believe and it's, it's us. Getting, it's getting louder. You know, alongside Conte, are you listening? But we'll uh, we'll save that one for another time. But no, I think the Jacker the point is is spot on. And in all honesty, beginning of the season, if you asked me, would I ever be singing a song about Xhaka, I would have said not a chance in hell. And uh, you know, even I'm joining in with that one now. So the the, the fans are right behind them, and the players are loving it, and it's it's boosting the performance. Um, I, I would say, as fans, we've contributed a, a few points to that team this season as well. Loads of songs gone around. Did that one get going? I just so I'm just just please wait till after we've played them or while we're playing them because oh, I don't want his luck to change against us. It shouldn't, should it? Because on form, we are like streets ahead of them. Streets ahead of them. They're not even close to us. No, form goes out in the derby, though. <clears throat> yeah, goes it does, mate. I hate it. Always has been. I don't look it's, forward to it, so I hate it's, it. It's, it's one of the biggest, um, the excitement and the buzz, but then of a flip of a coin, it's, it's, the, it's the worst because... If you can guarantee that you're going to win, it's your best day of the season, probably. And if you lose, it's your worst day. So, look, as an Arsenal, I've had a lot more um, good days and bad days. But there has been a few bad days in recent uh, seasons. And, and we owe them one. We owe them one big time. Them and the officials. Because um, we got royally stitched up from start to finish in all aspects of the game uh, earlier in the year, or last season. Um, yes. So, we owe them in a couple of weeks, big time. Listen, let's hope Harry Kane gets a booking in the next game or so and uh, he, he gets ruled out of that one. Listen, um, no. Nobby's put up on there that he loves the song. I've been taking out the Christmas tree decorations and stuff today. And guess what I was humming the whole, line, whole time? Give me, give me, give me a ring, top from Tottenham. Back 
I've said it before, but just imagine we won the league in the same year that Harry Kane knocked his country out of the World Cup. It'd be fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Guys, listen, we've got a huge game on tomorrow. We're playing Newcastle under the lights at the Emirates. Um, uh, listen, normally I'd say that's, you know, a, a, a mid, middle of the road game. But Newcastle under um, uh, the new management of uh, Eddie Howe have been doing really, really well. Key players you've got to look at. Um, you've got Almiron and Joe Linton. Um, Almiron scored nine goals. Uh, Joe Linton is, you know, up there with Gamares and Trippier. Defensively, they're a really strong team. Trev, you're not going to be able to make it due to train strikes. Christ, even if when you are available, the the, the old railway go on, on, on strike for you. So, <laughs> how's your luck? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm back for Man United, mate. I'm definitely back for Man United. Um, mate, it's... This game tomorrow night, we talked about it previously, didn't we, lads? All we four of us. And this game tomorrow night, in my view, is going to be our best, most sternest test of the season so far. You know, Newcastle have lost one game all season. They've drawn seven, admittedly, but they're really hard to beat. Really hard to beat. You know, and Eddie Howe's worked wonders there. Um, on our form, we should brush them aside if we're on top form. Um, and let's hope we do. But it ain't going to be anywhere near the walkover that some, not all, but some Arsenal fans have been saying, no chance, boys. We've got a right game on our hands um, tomorrow. Just remember what they did to us up at their place in the last season. They played really well against us and, and turned us over. So we owe them one, and let's hope it's tomorrow, Ferg. I, I agree. I think they also worked the crowd against us as well, and I, we, we'd lost a bottle at Spurs and so on. But, Dan, looking at this, the, 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 the Trev talks about the form. Um, we're, we're five wins and they're four wins and a draw and the draw against Leeds was probably against the run of play uh, our recent uh, meetings against each other the beaters as we said up in Newcastle at the last game of the season we beat them 2-0 2-0 3-0 and 4-0 so as I said when we started this topic normally I'd go yeah it's a middle of the road game we should get the three points but um, what are you expecting Dan? I'm expecting three are you points gonna, Are you going to be sober? I don't know. I'm halfway between. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm getting the train down. So yeah, we'll be on this on the Sherberts. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be about half six for anyone that wants to be there and join in, and we can uh, we can sing any song that Tony sings. But um, yeah, I, I, I do believe it will be a tough game. I think you're spot on there, Trev. Um, I think defensively they're a very solid solid team. I think it's eleven goals they've conceded this season. So I'm not expecting it to be easy. I do think they'll sit in a bit more. I think we'll be the dominant team. But I think if we get an early goal, I do think we'll win it. Um, I do think we'll win it anyway. I think not down to the fact that Newcastle are a tough side, but because of our own ability and how good we are. And we're at home. And our record at home has been unbelievable recently. So I think back our own ability that that we will beat them. Um, not to say they're not a tough side. Tony, we're the only Premier League side this season to be invincible at home. Uh, we've only lost to Man United away. Well, it was VAR away more than anything else. Um, what are you expecting tomorrow? If I'm honest, boys, exactly the same as what you boys have just said. I think the Newcastle are a tough, uh, 
tough uh, to crack this season. I think defensively, they've got the best record in the league. So they're pretty stingy in, in terms of obviously gifting goals. Um, I do think, though, like Dan, if we score early, I think we will win. Um, I think we will edge it anyway. A bit like you said, Ferg, that the home crowd is playing a massive, massive part of our season this season, um, to this campaign. I think we're all we're all pulling in the same direction. So the players are, you know, potentially where they're drugged, they're feeding off of us. We're feeding off of them, and <clears throat> I think we'll nick a win tomorrow. Um, I, I, like the boys, I'm not so sure it's going to be sort of two, three nil like other people are, are making it. But I think we'll nick the three points. And listen, if we if we take seven points from the next nine, then then that, no one can argue with that. Mm. And so, if I was to ask you a score, what would you say, Tony? Uh, what I've just said two. Now I'm going to go two one or two two nil. Um, I know I've just said about two or three nil. I'll go two one. Dan, I'm going to go for three nil. I actually do think we're going to have a. I'm not saying it's going to be that sort of game, but I think we'll um we'll win it by a few goals. Trev, Capo. <laughs> Trev, unmute yourself. What what are you going for? I've just been talking away, praising Dan. Then he's never heard me because I was on mute. Dan, I hope you're right, mate. But I'm I'm more with 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 Tony and with Heath here. I think we're going to win it by the odd goal, one nil or two one. I'm going to go two one. I'm going to go. I think there's going to be lots of goals in this game because I think Newcastle are uh, a, a good side and uh, uh, you know they're able to score a goal and and so on. Um, I'm going to go three two. Uh, but three two for Arsenal, obviously. Um, I, I, I it, it, to be honest, it could go either way. But I'm, I'm clearly going to go Arsenal first uh, on there. Um, one of the other things we're looking at, and it follows on from the Brighton game, is yellow cards. Uh, Saliba and Saka are on four yellow cards. Um, Tony, Trev, Dan, you said I'm incorrect on this fact, but uh, maybe Tony and Trev can corroborate our. Um, uh, discounted, but if they get a fifth yellow card, they get a one-game ban. Does that carry into the FA Cup? I've always believed it did, but I see a tweet today to say there's something in the Premier League rules that were recently changed, which meant it would actually be the league game. I, I can't confirm either way, but it's always been the cup games, uh, like the FA Cup. Say, but I see a tweet today, and it read that it wouldn't be Oxford, so it's something that probably we'd all need to look up or. Or read on okay. the cover website, so, maybe. So on that basis, you got Saliba and Saka. You got to start both those players if they get a if they get a card. They're missing the Tottenham game. Three points at a time. I think first game first, and that's Newcastle, and then see what happens after that. Take each game as it comes. Yeah, I agree. Trev, do you do you know anything different? Do you think? Uh, Dan and Tony are probably right then. With it doesn't carry into the FA Cup. It it, it goes straight into the league. Would not have a clue, mate. <laughs> Would not have a clue. Um, all I know is that it worries me greatly that we may lose two of our most influential players for, for the last game we want them to miss. So let's hope it all works out okay. But uh, I haven't got a clue what game this week. Wouldn't have the Listen, listen just remember, though, Topner in a similar situation with our, um, Harry Kane. Harry, I kicked the ball over to Gold Kane. He's, Do you mean uh, the retard from Tottenham? That one. That's the one. He's on four bookings <laughs> as well. So he's, you know, they've got a similar situation with him. And and trust me, 
we could potentially make do with not having Saka for one game. They've got their main man. They're relying on him and him only at the moment. Okay. Um, what other topic I want to talk about? Like Arteta, it was before the Brighton game, but he was three years uh, in charge uh, this month, in Dece- well, last month, last year, in December. And uh, I, I got this table sent to me, which was quite interesting. So we look at this table here. We've got Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal. This is the Premier League table from the day Arteta started till um, not the last game, but the previous game. Uh, 200 points after 110 games. Um, Considering we were eighth in the league and we're fifth in the league and out of Europe and so on, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Wouldn't you you say, Dan, how Arteta has kept us up there, ahead of Tottenham, ahead of Man United, ahead of Chelsea, you know, Leicester, who have been on, on fire, West Ham, who've had a great resurgence in the last couple of years. Um, but we're, we're we're up there and, you know, brilliant. What's your thoughts? I don't like that table. I prefer this year's one because it puts us at the top. <laughs> We've got um, that in a minute. <laughs> no, I, th- I, think, I think spot on. I, um, I saw another stat in the nineteen twenty season. We had 14 wins from 38 games and we've already had 14 wins in 16 games this season. So that just shows the progression that we've had under Arteta and um, everything he's tried to put in behind the scenes is now coming out on the pitch. And we look at like 2003, 2004, there was um, the 19, was it 1990 or 1991 season where we lost one game against Chelsea and we nearly went invincible huh. under George Graham, wasn't it? 1991 season, we lost to Chelsea. Yeah, bloody and, uh, Chelsea, yeah. We had yeah. half the team out injured as well. It was, uh, that that was a very special, that's worth a whole podcast on its own, that 1991 team. One of the most underrated teams going, Trev. Once again, I didn't hear you, fortunately. What was that? I said they were one of the most underrated teams going. One of the most underrated Uh, uh, title winners of all time, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, mate. They were a very special team in 1991, the Arsenal. And you'd we'd all agreed to saying that the 2003-2004, 16 games in, um, we'd scored 30, uh, 30 goals, 19 uh, goal positive, finishing on 38 points. We won that season invincible. We we were are the only team that went a whole season unbeaten and carried on to 49 games uh, undefeated. If we look at this season, look at this. 16 games in, 14 wins, one draw, one loss, robbed. 40 goals, 26 positive and 43 points. You're looking at five more points. You're looking at uh, seven more goals. It's definitely got to be progress, Tony. Yeah, it is, mate. It's um, it's the progress is for all to see. Um, I mean, I said from the start of Arteta that it's like having a chef in a kitchen. If he hasn't got the tools and the ingredients, you're not going to be able to be making top-end food and you know selling it at high-end prices. Arteta didn't have the ingredients to start with. He had certain players in the team who didn't want to do the work. He's slowly built up. And if you look at now, this is as close to his, his team as we're going to get. Um, and it's for all to say, like, even if we don't win the league this season, the progress is, is there. You know, we, we get Champions League. It's another step. And all of a sudden, a bit like Trev alluded to earlier, all of a sudden, all the rumours are about players wanting to join Arsenal, prefer, you know, prefer the project, prefer the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the road that Arsenal want to take. You know, football works in cycles and it always has done. It always has done for... As long as football's been around, you have periods, you have cycles. 
I'm not saying Liverpool's and Man City's are coming to an end, but I feel like we're about to enter our cycle again. And whether we're dominant and 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 obviously it's filled with trophies, who knows? But I've certainly enjoyed the you know the ride this season, and and, and long may it continue. I've loved the ride for the three seasons, even even when we're at our lowest ebbs. I could see some improvement. Now, Trev, do you, do you think looking at that stat from the Invincibles and this stat from this season, is there an argument to say that Arteta, okay, he hasn't got the trophies and hasn't had the, the the time under his belt, but he's as good, if not possibly, potentially, potentially better than Wenger. You you can't. We shouldn't. Let me finish, Ferg. We shouldn't shouldn't even be thinking about that or raising that comparison because I think that's unfair on Mikel Arteta at this stage of his career. Mikel, let, let's look at where we were, right? We spoke about it before, but if we're going down this road, we've got to think about it again, right? Arsene Fenger, as much as we love him and we love what he did for our club, he left us in a mess, right? There's no, There is no getting away from that. Mikel Arteta left Arsenal Football Club in a real mess, right? Wenger, Unai, Emery, right. Unai Emery came in and Unai Emery, as, as, as I've stated on here before and I'll continue to state, is a quality manager and he tried to do a job but he had absolutely no support upstairs, right? He had nothing up up above him and no support. He had a, 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 an owner that wasn't going to spend any money and he had people who were just signing dead Chelsea players or, or finished up players to give them a final payday, right? So I felt for you and I, Emery. So Mikel Arteta has come into a club that is in dread, right? We were we were still finishing, you know, we were just outside Europe and we were in the top half of the league. But to, for the big club we are, that wasn't acceptable. Mikel Arteta has done the most fantastic job, not only with what he had to deal with in a club, he had to get the right people above him. He had to get the, the, the owner on side. And I'm sure that... I'm sure that the the, the the protests outside the stadium kick-started our owners. I'm positive about that, right? Um, and Mikel Arteta has gone about it in stages. He's, 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 he's gone down saying he had a plan, and that plan was 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 um, was to bring us up to where we are now. But he, to finish, right, he, he didn't just have all that within the club to deal with. He didn't have a club in turmoil with no one above him willing to help. He had the fans on his back as well. Not me, not you, Ferg, but he had a lot of fans on his back who inspected him to come into Arsenal Football Club, flick a switch, and overnight we're going to be European champions. Yeah, but it, Those it, fans it, now should be should be eating their humble pie and giving their apologies just as loudly as they had a go at him. Right? They've all gone into well, hiding. They should be out there now holding their hands up. Because he's there was one very there was one very vocal one, a friend of ours, uh, Dan Potts, and I've since been in contact with him and said, do you now trust the process? Do you now believe in the process? And he's 110% balls deep in it now. He he loves it. But as you said, why criticise it early on when you know it takes some time? Dan, John Malone is saying you've been quiet tonight. You're normally singing on the tube. Speak up. Come on. What's your thoughts on this? I was singing on the way home to Brighton, actually. I um, I got in the train um, at Brighton and I got in the train, train going the opposite direction so I was going back through Lewis. And as I got on, I'm surrounded by Brighton fans. And uh, we had a good sing-song in the end. Some of them actually enjoyed it. Some probably not so much, but I was singing there, so don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I think there's a there's a lot to digest from that. I think, firstly, it's very, very unfair to compare the greatest manager in our history to someone that's in the middle of 
a process that's now going very, very well. Um, I'd argue that Unai Emery left, left us in a worse position than Wenger, Trev. Um, I think... You can argue all you want. I, I think Unai Emery was massively out of his depth with a club that was bigger than what he can handle. And I think you'll see he will do very, very well with Aston Villa. But I think that's his level. And I don't think it's fair to say that, we had, that we're a club that didn't spend money because we've spent an awful lot of money over the last few years in the Wenger era towards the end, in Unai's era and also in Arteta's era. Um, I just feel like Unai couldn't handle the big egos like Arteta has. Um, I think I think Unai inherited a shit show as well, though. And he, he did. Had... I'm not saying he, he he didn't inherit a fantastic squad. He, he inherited a squad that was a little bit sort of a bit lazy and and thought they were better than they were and and been near enough sort of mollycoddled right. from a coach towards the end of his his career. But I I think certainly the players he got rid of and what he brought in um, reduced the quality of our squad from when he came into when he left. But what what is interesting, I think, if you look at the invincible start after 16 games and what we are now. I always thought that our issue currently was going forward and scoring goals because we were very pretty, lots of sort of U-shaped passing and, and a bit of a lack of a cutting edge and scoring goals. Whereas this year, that hasn't been the case. You know, we've had, what is it, seven goals now in the first two games back after after the break. And that squad has scored 10 goals more over 16 games than a squad containing Henri, Burkamp, Perez and Lundberg. And that's quite crazy to compare, considering that side at that period was breaking records from scoring in sort of every single game, like consecutively away from home, and and was one of the best attacking teams of its time. Hmm. Some interesting. Well, I've, interesting got, I've got I've got a response to that, Ferg. Got a response to that, Ferg. Because as much as I agree with a lot of what Dan says, Unai Emery took a team. A team of players that had got Arsene Wenger to sack, right? That squad had got Arsene Wenger to sack. And he took them, Unai, Unai Emery immediately noticed what the problem was within that squad and he tried to drop Mr. Ozil. And he, they wouldn't let him drop him. The powers that be above twisted uh, Unai Emery's arm and he had to bring Ozil back into the fold. And Ozil... Uh, Emery, Emery took that, that squad, that disjointed squad, on a 22-game unbeaten run. And he also somehow, I don't know where, got him to the Europa League final. And who was the player? He was let down by a few players in that Europa League final, but who was the player that let him down the most? Mesut Ozil, the player who he tried to get rid of in the first place anyway. You know? So, yeah, I can see your point, Dan, but there's a massive two sides to that story, mate. A massive two sides to that story. Yeah, I mean... I, I- I think we can we can get a great disagree on that. But I also think what's the difference between Unai and Mikel now in terms of Mikel got rid of Urzum, got rid of Bamiang, and there was big, big calls from the fans, the media to say to you know, Arteta, you're doing the wrong thing, you need to bring a Bamiang back in, you shouldn't have isolated him. But he didn't and he stuck with his guns. Unai, for whatever reason, had his opinion changed, whether it's the ball putting pressure on him. You know, the, the board had a conversation with Arteta and saying, look, we need to bring him back into the squad. But it didn't happen. And, and I, I just feel like it's a, they're two completely different men. I'll tell you the difference, Dan. I'll tell you the difference, right? The difference, plain to see. Unai Emery was a head coach. Mesa, uh, um, excuse me. Mikel Arteta is a manager. 
Mikel Arteta has got Edu and, and an owner that's thoroughly behind him, putting money into the club, and he's got a coaching staff that, that, that are supported by the club. Uh, Unai Emery had none of that. Unai Emery didn't have an Edu. He, he got given the players that he got given. He was a head coach. And uh, all the players he was given were, were people that were on their last legs coming in from other clubs because certain people were in the club, with, in, in my opinion, were putting money in pockets before putting quality players into our club. And it was wrong and it was upsetting. And it was it was a great day when that lot of stairs were cleared out. Um, I, I, I can see why you've got your opinion, Dan, but you won't change my opinion on an Emery. I think he was a thoroughly decent man. He did a great job with what he had. And if he'd have had the support that Mikel Arteta had, as who knows? Having said that, we'll swap Arteta for anyone there. I, 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 I do think that anybody coming into that job, a bit like Moyes at United after Fergie, anybody coming into that job after after Wenger. A poison chalice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tony. Um, listen, uh, Terry in the chat has sent me a message. This is the yellow card situation, so I, I don't know if you can see it, but if you get five... It's one match ban and it's Premier League. It doesn't carry into the FA Cup. So we've had it clarified that if they get a yellow card uh, tomorrow night or uh, the following Sunday, he won't carry to the Man United game. But once the 19 games are played, which is the Man United game, they all get wiped off and we start again. Um, uh, the table as it stands uh, is here. Arsenal are uh, 43 points, 16 games. Um, we're... Uh, uh, what are we, eight points ahead of Newcastle with a game in hand over them. We're seven points again ahead of Man City. Um, we're 11 points ahead of uh, fourth place United, 13 points ahead of Tottenham. Liverpool are even, uh, that's 15 points. And then you're looking at Brentford. It's unbelievable reading how well Arsenal are doing at the moment. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not disbelieving it, but it's just fantastic to see. Um, one other thing that popped up on Twitter, and I think um, Tony uh, shared this. Um, a true Arsenal fan, apparently. Go on, Tony, talk to us. I just see it pop up earlier today. I don't, I don't know when the picture was taken, but um, I sent a... I'd have to try and find it. He'd done a podcast. Well, I think why he was a top. Who, who is it for people on audio, by the way? Uh, Kuliseski for um, the uh, Arsenal fan, playing, currently playing for Tottenham. Or occasionally he plays for Tottenham. Um, but I watched an audio, I got sent an audio of a podcast. I'll have to try and find it, send it to you. And he, he pretty much said he was an Arsenal fan. He said, and, and as people know, you know, it's a dream of mine to play for, you know, a certain club, you know, before I retire and all that. He said, but it wouldn't go down, it, it wouldn't go down well at the moment or something. Um, with a smile, and obviously my Tottenham mates, I, I soon sent it to them. But um, yeah, obviously, I, I, I don't know when the picture was taken, but why everything's going well for Arsenal. It's always good just to, uh, you know, stir the pot and wind that up down the road a bit more. <laughs> Would we want him? Uh, to be fair, if he's available, I'd, I'd let him come into clean sacks of player. He, he, he does make he does make them tick when he when he's on form. He does make them tick. Um, right, guys, that that's us done uh, tomorrow night. Uh, block five, block six. Uh, you'll see me and and Dan around between half six and seven o'clock, like uh, about seven ish. Um, and uh, we'll be trying to get some songs going. So if you're in the North Bank, come and see us um, and just bring your singing voice. Don't have to bring beer. Just bring your singing voice. Um, Tony, one of the songs... What's that? Has Tony got any songs? Give me, give me, give me a ring.
Best thing about it, I keep getting praised and it weren't even my song. Missing it, Hilsey. Missing it. Oh, oh that, sorry, mate. <laughs> we are the Arsenal. The Arsenal back with a capital T. We're back. Enjoy it. We should all have smiles on our faces. I've not stopped smiling for weeks now. And even if we lose a couple of games, I'll still be smiling because you know what? We'll still be top of the league and we'll still be improving. We are the and, you know Arsenal. We, we should be no, humble. We should we should enjoy it, but be humble and re remember that football can turn very quickly. So let's just enjoy the moment. Don't let anyone take that away from us, but let's oh. not gloat or get too arrogant or cocky because football sometimes have a, has a tendency to bite you on your backsides and we don't want that to happen to us. We want to keep our feet on the ground. And Mikel Arteta summed it up perfectly when they asked him in the interview at the weekend, are you happy? He said, I walked in that change room, no players weren't happy. We've just won. We've gone seven points clear and they're all finding fault now and they've got you know big improvements to make. That, to me, shows that the team and the manager are focused. So, as fans, we should do the same. Sod that. We're going to win okay. the league. Don't get big, Eddie. Don't get... after this one thanks very much everybody happy new year everyone see me long if you know as I walk these streets alone through this bar I can hold upon the barren fields of ivory beneath the stadiums of stone through the turnstiles of the angel see the homeless on the green from the Cali to the cross Every shit's all in between Past the church, the mosque you crack them And the offy on the corner See the brasses from the brothel That pretends to be a stormer Watch the bedroom in the bookies See the winners and the losers Seeking solace from their sorrow In the local battle cruisers Through the madness in the market Where the face is turned to greet you Hello, Baba, how's your mother? Your eyes don't be like a geezer Double pie and mash and liquor A double rose in the up chat Or watch retired gangsters bicker Every day and half his chat The little fuckers causing trouble For the cops
puzzles make you smile You need your monkeys for a couple Forget your troubles for a while From the full moon to the heavy All the faces are the same Cause the man might be changing But the people still remain Ready? There we go, a bit of Lewis Dunford. Um, thank you very much, Tony, Dan, and Trevor. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a, a nice hour and eight minutes, most of it, uh, with some of your songs, Tony. Thanks very much. Uh, see, are you there tomorrow, mate? Talking to me, mate. Sorry, you just yeah. cut out, and you was. Uh, I didn't know whether you had a matter or stutter. Um, I'm there tomorrow, yeah, mate. So I'll, I'll see you at some point in the ground. Just make sure you got a beer ready for me. I will do. I will do. I'm, I'm drinking this at this game, so that's all right. Uh, Dan, see you tomorrow, mate. Bring your flag. Bring your drink. Well, if, uh, uh, if Big T wants to jump up and sing that song, I'll give him the flag tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll just follow the noise and find you. Oh, Christ. Like the last time. I don't beside me. It, it's so hard going to football when I'm sober, <laughs> and he's very much not. I'm no Trev. different. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Yeah, Trev, thanks very much, mate. Uh, have uh, a Great day. Enjoy watching the football from afar. And I'll see you at Tottenham. Um, I'll see you at Oxford, actually, and yeah. uh, Tottenham and Man United. So I'll see you for the next three games afterwards. I'll be at Oxford. I'll be at Man U. I'll be at Tottenham. And, and everyone watching, right? Tony is exactly right. We don't need to get cocky. We don't need to get above ourselves. But please, please, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Because it has got a bit of change in Tony's right. But just enjoy it. It's, it's amazing. I love it. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. If you like what we do, click on like, subscribe. Follow us on Facebook uh, at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. You're gonna win the league. You're gonna win the league.